Today will be a continuation from the last sermon that I preached from here on October the 30th. But recently I've been impressed with last words. And I'd like to share briefly, I shared briefly on this a little bit last time, but I referred to some of Pablo Yoder's last words, and if you'll allow me, I'd like to refer to some of them again. As the family was gathered around the bed there for Pablo Yoder, they were concerned about his health, and they asked him, you know, how are you feeling? And he assured them that he was in pain, and he was struggling. However, he transitioned from the physical to the spiritual when he said this, I have no known sin, all is well. Some of the last words of Pablo Yoder. And that testimony from Pablo was a tremendous blessing to his family because he said that all was well. And I would ask you, is there anything more important in life than preparing to meet thy God? Do you know of anything? I don't. <clears throat> and I will admit to you, as I think of some of the uncertainties of this last week and relating to Cheryl and Michael and their family, have kind of brought the realities of eternity in sharp, into sharper focus. And we need to consider those things. Uh, we need to consider them often. This morning I'd like to consider some last words of Scripture from Revelation chapter 22. I would invite you there this morning. Denver asked us this morning, in hard times, where do we turn? It's important that we turn to the Lord Jesus. The title of the message this morning, The Eternal Home of the Redeemed, Part 2. So this will be the, the end of, of the look at heaven. Let's look at, for a text, I would invite you to Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Where the Bible says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter into, in through the gates of the city. Now in this passage, we recognize that there are two prerequisites to receiving your inheritance into the holy city. I hope you are looking forward to an inheritance into that holy city. And I was blessed this morning how God leads, and I was really blessed by the song we sang, The Lord is My Light. And in the course of that song, it says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And so that was a blessing to me. That song I thought fit very well with this message this morning. I suggest to you that there are at least two prerequisites to entering that holy city, number one is the initial prerequisite, and the second one is continual. So the first one would be accepting God's provision of salvation through the Son. Jesus said, ye must be born again. That's the first prerequisite. The second one is, it's a continual. And we find that in verse 14 where it said, blessed are they that do. Obedience is necessary. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right. That word right is the Greek word exousia, and it means to have the ability or the privilege of entering 
that holy city. And it, how is it that we enter that holy city? It's only through the merits of Jesus Christ. For the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus that we will enter. The merits of Christ is the only reason that we will enter that holy city. It's a gift. And that's what it says there in Romans. So I would like to look at this chapter and I would like to read the first five verses of Rome, I'm sorry, Revelation 22, verses 1 to 5. I'd like to call this the conditions of the holy city. And what is it about this city? It's perfect. I'd like to read five verses, five conditions of this holy city. The first one would be perfect water. The second, perfect health. The third, perfect environment. The fourth one would be a perfect identity. And the fifth one would be perfect illumination. Let's read the first five verses of Revelation chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the, light, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Verse 1 would be perfect water. And I would ask you, as we think about it in the context of an earthly, we think about water, what is the value of an unpolluted well or unpolluted water? How would you value it? I found this. Approximately 800 million people in the world do not have access to clean water. It's my understanding that the population just hit 8 billion, 8 billion souls in our country and Approximately one out of eight do not have access to clean water. Now, as I think of this water this morning, I don't know who got me that water. I'm assuming it was probably either Everett or Aaron. But let's suppose, let's suppose that they had to walk this morning. They walked. They had a plastic container on their shoulder they walked to Aldabyne and brought this water back and the sun was hot and they got it out of a, a shallow cistern or a hand dug well somewhere and they, they brought it back here to me and I'm getting I'm sorry I'm getting ready to preach this sermon and I look in this water and there's leaves and there's dirt there's some mosquito larvae and I don't know if I'd be very encouraged to drink that water. But there's a vast majority, there's a lot of people in our, I shouldn't say majority, but there's a lot of people in our world today that they drink from water from polluted source. It's my understanding, I had looked this up, and they said there's some people that they spend eight hours a day 
acquiring and going and getting water and bringing it back to the families. How many of you would like to do that, spend eight hours a day going and getting water for someone, bringing it back for your family? And when you bring it back, it's polluted and has the possibility of killing those within your family. Well, that happens in our world today. It's contaminated, and there's mosquito-borne illnesses in that water. It's my understanding that 4,000 people die every day because of polluted water source. Whoever got me this water, thank you. It's a gift from you and a gift from the Lord that is clean and pure. But you know, Jesus came to bring that living water. We know of that account in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. Verse 10, John chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus answering and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. <clears throat> Tragically, there are many people today who are drinking from contaminated sources, and they will surely perish unless they receive treatment. And as I think of this beautiful water proceeding out of the throne of God, this clearest crystal water, I think it's a picture of what Jesus offers, the pure water of life, salvation, that's proceeding out of the throne. And this water is for whomsoever will. So the beautiful picture that's proceeding out of the throne of God, perfect water. <clears throat> Verse 2, we have here, In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and the leaves were for the healing of the nations. I like to call verse 2 perfect health. The tree of life bearing fruit, the leaves were for the healing of the nations, and I struggled to have a mental grasp of a singular tree on both sides of the river. Maybe some of you can explain that to me. A singular tree on both sides of the river. But it's my understanding that Ezekiel, his vision was multiple trees along the river. And so maybe that can help us as we think about these trees along the river, the river of life. <clears throat> Once we arrive on the other side of Jordan, and when we get into that holy city, we'll probably wonder why we spent so much money to pro prolong life on this sin-cursed earth. Why did we spend so much money when it's so wonderful once we get there? Why did we spend so much time and effort to stay here in a sin-cursed earth? Number three, verse three would be perfect environment. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him perfect environment. Can you imagine what would be like to have the remover of the removal of the tempter, the remover, removal of temptation, the removal of sin, the removal of its effects, all that taken away, all that vanished. The five tragic results of sin, tears, death, sorrow, crying, and pain are gone forevermore. How many of you in the last week or the last month have cried about something. How many of you have had sorrow in your heart because of some condition or problem or issue? How many of you have experienced much pain, physical or emotional? 
Think of that. Those things are gone. Praise God. Completely gone. And I'll admit, some things have caught me some tears too, especially as I think of Cheryl and their family. It has been difficult. But those things that we, work, that we deal, are dealing with now, those things will be gone. God's th- throne is present. Often we think about like in Jerusalem, the center of worship was in Jerusalem, was in the temple. But the center of worship is no longer a place. The center of worship is a being thinking of God and the Lamb. The supreme authority, the Father and the Son, will indwell their rightful place and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. I say praise His holy name. I want to go there and be there and worship at the foot of my Lord and Savior. I hope you do as well. Number four in verse four is perfect identity. And they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. Jesus will not send an ambassador, nor will there be a representative of his. But it will be Jesus Christ himself. You know, there are a lot of people today that identify with things. They may wear a T-shirt that says Arapostale. They may look at their watch. They may say they have a Rolex watch, or they might have Oakley sunglasses. They like to identify maybe with a sports team. But you know what? Jesus did not identify with things. Jesus identified with his creation. And that blesses me. Jesus' identity with mankind will never fade away. Jesus' sacrificial love will be visible throughout all the ages of eternity in his nail-pierced hands and his nail-pierced feet. Jesus did not identify, Jesus did not find his identity in things per se, but Jesus finds his identity in his creation. That's in you and in me. And I think we'll see that forever displayed in his nail-pierced hands, nail-pierced feet. The only imperfectness in that holy city that I know of. And I say praise his holy name. Perfect environment, perfect identity. And our identity with the sun will be imprinted on our forehead. Notice the latter part of verse 4 where it says, And his name shall be in their foreheads. Our identity with Christ or his identity with us will be imprinted in our foreheads and our inclusion into the family of God will never be taken away. I think that's beautiful. Number five, verse five, would be perfect illumination. And there shall be no night there and there shall be no need of the candle, neither light of the sun for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. The brilliance of the glory of God. I'm no match. I don't have the ability. I've never been to heaven. How am I supposed to describe to you what heaven's like? I've never been there. But by the grace of God, I can only give what we find in God's word, and I'll do my best. And I'll ask the Holy Spirit to fill in the blanks for you because I'm no match to fill in the blanks of this great city. 
But think about the brilliance of the glory of God that shall light this city. I don't believe there will be shadows. It will be lighter in one part of the city. In some places it's kind of dark and in the shadows. His light will dwell. We will permeate this whole city. And imagine as you think about the city and the beauty and the pearls and the stones and the light and the glory of God uh, permeating and shining through these iridescent colors. Oh, how beautiful. And I would suggest to you, I believe that the power grid in heaven will never go down. Always light. Always light. Second point of the message, a call to worship. Verses 6 to 11. And he said unto me, These things are faithful and true, and the Lord God of, of the holy prophet sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and and when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See, thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Called to worship. When John began to fully understand the full scope of this vision, he was motivated to worship. Brothers and sisters, should not we do the same? Why should we worship? I believe that all three members of the Trinity were actively involved in bringing restoration to the creation, bringing salvation to you and I. Why do I say that? I believe the Father was the one, as we think about the plan of salvation. He was involved, obviously, before the foundation of the world. Jesus the Son, he's the one who became flesh. And in the fullness of time he came, and also the Holy Spirit, he was the message bearer bringing the message uh, to us as well. Ephesians chapter 2, I'd like to read a couple of verses from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even we, when we were dead in sins and hath quickened us together with Christ, there's a second part of the Trinity, by grace are ye saved and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can I add this morning, like we're here today, we're sitting in heavenly places, that in the ages to come, verse 7, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. A beautiful passage to think about being called to worship. You know, as we read scripture in the Old Testament and the New when we come to where someone has been deliver, delivered from some difficulty or whatever, they, their hearts well up in praise. Um, there's many of them. I don't have them written down in my notes, but you think about the children of Israel when they were delivered out of the hand of Egypt. There was a song, and 
there's Mary's song and there's plenty of songs that you can think about when there was deliverance, God people broke out in worship. And we need to be doing that as well. Deliverance motivates us to worship. Let's turn back to Revel, um, yeah, Revelation 19, verse 1, where the Bible says, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Drop down to verse 5. And the voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Deliverance often encourages, motivates us to worship. What have you been delivered from? Isn't that why we're here this morning to worship our Lord and Savior for his goodness and his deliverance, delivering us from the bondage of sin and from this old sin-cursed earth? We're called to worship just like they were. Last point of the message, I'd like to consider some of the last words of Jesus in Scripture. Let's look at verses 12 to 21. Revelation 22, 12 to 21. And behold... I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and have, they may enter in through the gates into the city. That's our text verse. Verse 15, but without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie... I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to t testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Some more of his last words, verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his book part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Some of the last words of Jesus here in verses 12 to 14. We have faithfulness rewarded. And behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me. Why? To give every man according to his, as his work shall be. Those that are faithful will receive a reward. And I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right or the privilege to, to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. An inheritance is given to those who are faithful. What inheritance are you looking forward to? First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. 
As you think about the inheritance, 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us. Is it because of what we've done? No. Because of his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. How good? How long will it last? It's incorruptible and it's undefiled and it fades not away and it's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. Who is it that receives this great inheritance? It's those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And when it says, reserved in heaven for you, I don't know why it reminds me of name tags. How many of you have been away, like on a Sunday afternoon or sometime, and the the host sets you at the table and you go in and, well, there's name tags there. You know exactly where to sit. And it's reserved for you. The host, and I like to envision the na- our names being written in the Lamb's book of life. The names are there. And thinking about, I don't know how Jesus will conduct the marriage supper of the Lamb, and it seems so out of character. Sometimes we would think, Jesus, when he came here to the earth, he did his work. The work at the cross was finished. And yes, yet I submit to you that it is impossible to divorce Jesus from his character. The character of Christ was not what he did. The character was who he was. What about you? What kind of character do you have? It's not so much what we do, but our character is to reflect the character of the Lord Jesus and it's who he was. It's what was internal. It's what he, what he would do. I like to think of the name tags reserved in heaven for you. Verse 17. I like to think of the great invitation. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him that heareth say Come. And let him that is a thirst come. We think of that living water, that beautiful water that God offers proceeding out of the throne of God and what Jesus offered when he was here. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. The great invitation for whomsoever will. John 4 verse 14. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus told the woman, those people that drink this water from this well will thirst again. But Jesus said, the water that I give, if you take of that water, you'll never thirst. And what a blessing, thinking about the great invitation. And the last words of Jesus in verse 20 the promised return. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The promised return. One of the last words of Jesus, he said, I'm coming back. I was so blessed to think about the words in John 14. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. It's Jesus' desire to have you with him in eternity. And he's the one that has made provision for you and me. I say praise his holy name. There's nothing that we have to offer. It's all because of him. And I say praise his holy name. But he said, surely I come quickly. Amen. Some of the last words of Jesus. In conclusion, the eternal home of the redeemed is just around the corner. How is it possible that we have this blessed hope? And I submit to you that it's on the merits of Jesus Christ alone. I love the verse that we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, which reads this way. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. We don't have time this morning to think of or to name all the things, the condescension of the Lord Jesus coming out of heaven and of the various things that he laid down because he loved you, because he loved me. He laid those things down and through his poverty that we might be rich. Number one, I'd like to think of three things very quickly. Jesus freely surrendered his will and his life for you and me. That was eternity past. Secondly, Jesus pre promised to prepare a place for us called heaven. That is eternity present. Interesting thinking of Jesus and the creator and how much they could do in seven days. How much you think that Jesus is enjoying preparing a place for you in 2,000 years. What a wonderful, what a beautiful place that must be. And Jesus stated his desire that where I am, there ye may be also. And thirdly, I submit to you, yeah, that was eternity present. And thirdly, Jesus is eagerly anticipating his own wedding with the bride of Christ. Jesus himself will serve. I, I went over this verse before, but... It just seems out of place almost that Jesus, of all that he has done for us, is preparing to serve at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Luke 17, verse 30, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 12, verse 37. Luke 12, 37. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find them watching. Verily I say unto you that he... Jesus shall gird himself and shall make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. After all he's done, his character is still an agape love and he will serve. Brothers and sisters, the revelation of these truths should, that we've looked at this morning should motivate us to worship our wonderful Savior and Lord. I say to God be the glory. May God bless us. May we look forward to that future home of the redeemed. Why? It's on his, his merits alone. I say praise his holy name. Shall we have a song?